chapter the subject matter of chapters beginning from 7 to 11 where we said that lord krishna has described himself in two ways one as possessed of all the attributes all the names and forms sarvam khalu idam brahma all of these is indeed brahma this is one way of describing god that is everything He is a creator, sustainer, dissolver, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. This is one way. Ananda kalyana guna ganai kandileha. Above one who is abode of all the the infinite virtues. One who is abode of the infinite virtues. Omniscient, omnipotent. This is one way in which God has been described in these chapters. Another way in which he is described also. Lord Krishna describes himself, of course. and that is uh, the beauty of this text is the lord is describing himself he is unfolding himself <coughs> another man in which he is unfolding himself is that he transcends everything so he describes himself as immanent as all pervasive at the same time he says he transcends everything he is beyond all names and forms and qualities and attributes he is absolute transcendental in this way also he has been described this arjuna has listened from lord krishna the exposition of the ishvara tatva or the concept of god in these two ways and the concluding chapter in the 11th chapter the the previous chapter as we said lord krishna displayed his cosmic form showing how he is the whole cosmos how he is the self of all the sin the body of lord krishna arjuna could see the whole universe meaning thereby that the lord not merely krishna as a person lord the concept is a self of all vishwatma he is the universal self he is everything and then lord krishna said at the end of the 11th chapter he arjuna sudu darsham idam roopam drushyavanasyanam this rupa the form the cosmic form that you have seen is something very rare deva apyasya rupasya nityam darshana kankshana here you know the devatas gods are also desirous of seeing this form but they are not able to see naham vedayna jagada naham vedayna tapasa nadanena chejya not by the study of the vedas not by the charity 
not by performing rituals, not by austerities can I be even seen that this form of mind is available for perception. Then what? Bhaktiyat Pananya Shakya Aham Evam Vidhurjuna. Here Arjuna, it is Ananya Bhakti. It is by the unswerving, single-pointed, non-dual devotion that my devotee can see me, have this darshana, have this perception, and know me. Oh Lord, what is that bhakti? What is that devotion? So what is it, what are the characteristics of a devotee who is devoted to you totally? Then in the last verse of the 11th chapter, Lord Krishna says, Mat karmakrit, mat paramaha, mat bhaktaha, sangavarjitaha, nirvairas sarabhuteshu, yasamamedi pandava, Hey Pandava, hey Arjuna, this is the one who reaches me. This is the one who discovers me as his own self. Who is that one? So Lord Krishna gives five characteristics of the Bhakta, which I like to write down on the board because they are important. One who performs actions for me alone is a devotee. One for whom I am the ultimate goal. Mat, mat means I, me. That is Lord Krishna says. So one, karma means action. Krut means one who does. Mat karma, krut, one who does all the actions for me. Mat paramaha, mat means I. 
one for whom I am the Parama. Parama is ultimate goal, the ultimate end. Mad Bhakta, one who is devoted to me. So these are the three things that are told about God. As to what is the place of God in the life of a devotee. He performs all the actions for the Lord, for whom the Lord is ultimate end, and one who loves, always devoted to God. So we ask ourselves, we are, as I said, we are all devotees, and these characteristics will be found in all of us also. Depends on what it is that I am devoted to, of course. Uh, everybody is a devotee. And everybody also, as I said, is, is seeking some end, no doubt. But whatever it, my perception of what I am seeking, that is what determines what I am devoted to. At any moment I am devoted to that which is the most important to me. If at a point in time wealth is most important to me, I am a devotee of wealth. If at a given point in time power is most important to me, I am devoted to that. If for someone wife is important or husband is most important to that person, well, he or she is a devotee of wife or husband. If a child is most important, I am devotee of that. If country is more impo most important, I am devoted to that. Whatever I look upon as most important in my life, I am automatically devoted to that. I need not even make an effort. So that is why this Viveka or discrimination, oh, what is most important in life is so important. Lord Krishna says, a devotee is the one for whom I am the goal, I am the most important. That the world is there, the various achievements of the world are there, but they are not the end, they are the means. And therefore, as we say, artha, kama, wealth, power, pleasure, all of these are there in the world. But they are not the end for the devotees, they are of the means. So he achieves them, if at all, for the sake of the Lord and not for any other sake. So Mat Paramaha, very important. What is most important to me? And then, if that is, if whatever is most important to me, to that end automatically, my actions are going to be devoted. If wealth is most important to me, whatever I do would be done automatically to increase the wealth. Similarly, if God is most important to me, whatever I do is going to be done as dedicated or dedicated to God. And whatever is most important, I automatically love. And therefore, if God is most important, then the devotee loves Him. So love is in my heart, heart also is offered to God, Madhbhakta. This, this understanding of the ultimate goal is generally in our intellect. Is our understanding as to what my ultimate goal is. And so, if God is ultimate goal, we can say that, even the buddhi, the intellect, also is offered to God. And then, with that, I do perform actions with my hands and legs, with my body. So when actions are also offered to him, that means that my hands and legs and my body is also offered to him. He wants everything. He does not want anything, you know, he, he, he doesn't want any kind of a, a jealousy. He doesn't want competition at all. He wants that everything should be offered to him. Give up all other, all other pursuits and be devoted and surrender to me alone. He doesn't want any competition. He doesn't want, I mean, he, he, he is totally a jealous God who doesn't want anybody else other than him. How do we accomplish that? For that he tells us the other two things. 
संगवारजित है दोनों स्त्री फ्रॉम अटैचमेंट नॉर्मली वे अटैचमेंट फॉर एज आई से for our near and dear ones for the wealth for comfort lot of things are there to one to what a person is attached sangavarjit has one is free from attachments everywhere else of course our mind is such that it must be attached some place without attachment the mind cannot be even though the vedant in stock of giving all attachments really what it means is giving up attachments to everything other than him So idea is the mind's nature is to attach to something. Right now the attachment is to millions of places. So when I withdraw my attachment from everything else, then the mind will be totally attached to him. So that is how I become his devotee. He wants that I should be attached to him. But at the moment I am devotee of so many things that therefore he doesn't have much room for in my heart. And therefore he says, withdraw your attachments from everything else and then be attached to me. And then also in the fifth uh, fifth condition, the fifth characteristic is nirvairaha sarvhuteshu. Vaira means uh, enmity. Nirvairaha, one who doesn't have enmity, sarvhuteshu to all the beings. So one who is free from enmity towards all the beings. <coughs> so Lord Krishna says, may you have no enmity towards anybody. So enmity or aversion also is nothing but a form of attachment. Usually enmity or aversion arises in my mind for somebody or something when that thing or being comes in the way of my attachment somewhere. I am attached to something and when I perceive a threat to that attachment then that object becomes the object of my aversion. So raga and dvesha, what is being said is that may become free from raga and dvesha, attachments and aversion. So even if I have aversion for enmity for somebody, God being everything, ultimately I am having God, enmity for Him alone. He being the self of all, He being everything, He says, may you not have enmity for anyone. At the same time, when I am attached to something, Swamiji, all right, I may not have enmity for an, anyone, but what's wrong with attachment? <coughs> so what are these Vedantin fellows all the time talking about giving up attachment? The point is, Attachment means that my love is only centered upon a few things. The Lord says, I am everything, I am the self of all. Therefore, He says, love everybody. What is meant by giving up attachment to a few things is that, so that your love is available to everybody. So that, that will be said subsequently also. Sarabhutahiterataha, the devotees are those who are devoted to the well-being of all. So these are five characters, this is our, this was the last verse of the eleventh chapter. So one who is like this, he reaches me. Yes, Samamedi Pandava. Here Juna, one who is like this, definitely reaches me. So this is in mind of Arjuna. Many now when the twelfth chapter is started, this verse that has been quoted, that Vishwarupa or the cosmic form that has been shown in the eleventh chapter, and this last verse that is stated in the eleventh chapter also are in Arjuna's mind when he asks this question. So that's how the 12th chapter begins with the question of Arjuna.
let us read the first verse. We have given you these new sheets because something has been sort of missing in the old ones. What's the thing? What's the matter? The first verse is okay. No problem. Alright. The first verse is alright. The second verse is not too bad. Okay. Arjuna Uvacha Evam Satata Yuktaye Bhattastvam Paryupasate Yecha Pyaksharam Avyaktam Deshanke Yoga Vittamaha Arjuna Vacha, Arjuna said, Evam Satad Yuktaha Evaktaha Twam Paryupasade, Yechapi Aksharam Avyaktam Tesham Ke Yoga Vittamaha. Evam, now you look at the translation so you can see how the words are translated. Evam in this manner. <coughs> there are those devotees, Bhaktaha, <coughs> who constantly committed Satat Yuktaha, <coughs> meditated upon you, Paryupasade, Tvam Paryupasade. So, one, the first line of the verse describes one kind of devotees. Ye chapi and also those who aksharam avyaktam those CQ as one aksharam who is not subject to decline avyaktam not available for objectification so doesn't matter the first verse is okay I mean you know uh, so Arjuna says that there are these two kinds of devotees one who worship you possessed of all the attributes and others are those who worship you who is devoid of all the attributes so saguna and nirguna lord with gunas, attributes, forms and nirguna the lord who is beyond the attributes, beyond the forms as I said these two forms of God have been presented in the chapter so far. And so Arjuna wants to know, Tesham ke yoga vittamaha, who are the greatest knowers of yoga? Who are the better among them? So this question is interpreted generally like this, that those who are the devotees of Saguna Brahma or God with attributes, and those who are devotees of Nirguna Brahma, so devotees of God without the attributes, which of them are better? That means, is Saguna Brahma Upasana or Nirguna Brahma Upasana? Is worship of God with attributes, is it better? Or is worship of God without the attributes? And then second verse, Lord Krishna seems to say that the worship of God with attributes is better. 
In fact, this 12th chapter, Lord Krishna describes the worship of God with attributes. Saguna Brahma Upasana. Prime. So, why is it so? Why should Arjuna ask a question like that? Arjuna is not asking which one, which one is better, which bhakti or which devotion is better, whether should one wish the devotion to the, the Lord with attributes is better or devotion to the Lord without attributes is better, which form of devotion is better, that is not really the question of Arjuna. Arjuna's question is, what is it that I should do? Should I worship you, the Lord, with attributes? Or should I worship you who is beyond the attributes? Which one is better for me? This is how we should understand the question. Because there is no question that ultimately one has to know the God as the very self. The primary teaching of the Upanishad is Tattvamasi, that thou art. Or the student recognizes, I am Brahma, I am Brahma. I am God, I am the self of all. Brahma means the universal self. I am the universal self, I am the self of all. That means one has to recognize the identity between oneself and God. That's ultimate. Isha jiva yor veshadhi vidha satsvabhavato vastu kevalam in Upadesha Saram, Ramana Maharshi says that what's the difference between Ishwara and in Jiva, what's the difference between God and this individual self? Is that they are wearing different costumes. Same Paramatma, same Lord, or the same principle which is called Brahma, when it wears a costume of the universal, universal costume, the universal names and forms, then it's called Ishwara, he's called the ruler, he's called God. When the same one wears a costume of the individual name and form, then it's called a jiva, it's called individual self. Satsvabhavato vastu kevalam. However, this reference to svabhava, the true nature, vastu, the truth is one alone. So universal self, the self of all beings and the self of individual, individual being are one alone. There is no difference. So this is the truth that we have to ultimately recognize. You see, what this means is that when it is said that I have to recognize a God ultimately as my own self, attitude would say, the kingdom of heavens is within, so they would say. Christ would say, the kingdom of heavens is within. Meaning thereby that the heavens that you are seeking is really to be found within yourself as your own self. So thus this teaching of revealing, teaching revealing, the oneness of whole existence and thus overcoming the idea of a sense of individuality is the, is the fundamental teaching. The only way that I can feel satisfied in my life or I experience the freedom that I am seeking is only when I become free from every form of limitation. And that is only when I discover myself to be limited. And that is only when I discover that this body-mind complex is not I, because that is limited in every way, but that in spite of the limitations obtaining the body-mind complex, that I am the, con- I am the self, which, is, which, which informs this body-mind complex, which enlivens the body-mind complex, which enlivens everything else. 
and which is in fact the substratum of everything. So only when I recognize myself as that, that is when I can see myself as free from every form of limitation. And then alone there can be a total satisfaction in life. Then alone there can be the sense that whatever is to achieve in life has been achieved. But how about myself? The self that I am, is the self with attributes or without attributes? Let us at the moment leave aside the idea of God, but let us look at the, the self. Who am I? Am I the one with attributes or am I the one without the attributes? Who am I? So, if you look at our own self, I find that all the time my... the way I appear or the way I see myself is constantly changing. I seem to be assuming a variety of roles from morning till evening. As I said, now I see myself as a teacher, at some other time I see myself as a student, at some other time I see myself as a friend, at some times I see myself as successful, whatever. In different ways I keep on seeing myself. That means that I constantly, the I constantly changes. Now how can one thing constantly change unless the change is apparent? Unless that what we call this, this teacher and the student and the father and the son, the, all of these are merely the costumes put on by the I, and that I in reality is free from all the costumes. So when you think of the I, it is quite clear that the I or the self cannot have any attributes. The one who assumes all the attributes, you know, must be free from all the attributes. And therefore, what's the nature of I? That is a simple awareness of the consciousness. It doesn't have a form, it doesn't have a shape, it doesn't have any attribute at all. So that which eliminates all the attributes, that is aware of all the attributes, is itself free from all the attributes. So when you think of I, or, then it's quite clear that the I or the self, that is consciousness or intelligence, is devoid of any kind of attributes or qualifications. And then, if I to recognize God as my own self, naturally God also is devoid of all the attributes. And therefore, when we talk of knowing the God beyond the attributes, it means that knowing the God is my own self. So now we have therefore two forms of worship. One is that in which the duality between the devotee and God is maintained because I look upon God as possessed of certain attributes and I am, I look upon myself as someone separate and a devotee of the God and so that duality between the devotee and the God is maintained, retained. Other is a form of worship when that very duality, that very distance of separation itself is erased. Which one is better? There cannot be a question of which one is better because as long as there is any separation between myself and what I am devoted to, as I said, I cannot have a sense of total satisfaction. Even though they talk about devotees such as Mirabai and others, you know, or Tulsidasji, and they say that, look, these were the devotees of God, who looked upon God as different from them. That Mirabai worship Lord Krishna, or that Tulsidasji worship Lord Rama, looking upon them as the Rishta Devata, as the gods that they worship. But if we, if we look at Mirabai's writings also, her, her you know, uh, compositions, or Tulsidasi's compositions, we can see how there is that, even that little se- that separation that Mirabai feels from the Lord, that she wants to even give up that 
because that she see she expresses how she is suffering from a sense of separation and that she cannot accept it she cannot tolerate it so ultimately devotee cannot accept the separation from god and the devotee really finds the total satisfaction only when he or she finds total oneness or identification with god so this is a vision of the upanishad and that's a, that is going to the vision of any any teaching any spiritual teaching and so it cannot be that one is better than the other or there is no comparison really speaking because the end that we are seeking is ultimately becoming one with that that lord who is beyond all the attributes who is limitless <coughs> however then what's the place of worship of god with attributes how can we worshiping god in a certain form with certain attributes what is its place <coughs> that is presented as a first step it is presented as a means to ultimately let's recognize the identity with the lord meaning thereby that in order for me to know the lord as he is i must first get identified with him and then i discover him as my own self two steps are there first is identifying with him and ultimately recognizing recognizing him as my very self so this what we call devotion or bhakti what we call worship of god is nothing but a process of identification with god so that is called love what is love is nothing but identifying with the object of love and the love finds its culmination when the identification is total when the one whom i love is in no way separate from me when i discover a total oneness that is what is the culmination of love and the same thing here that when there remains no separation whatever with the lord whom i love or whom i devote to that's the culmination of bhakti or the devotion and for achieving that we use this form so attributes as the stepping stone as a very aid in order to help us ultimately become free from the need of the form also so worship of lord in the realm of duality is so that we can grow out of duality the familiar example that is given is example of a bolt pole so how how this athlete who wants to jump 13 14 feet let us say how he takes the help of a pole and how he rises with the help of the pole he rises to that level of maybe 13 feet drops the pole and then he crosses the boundary similarly also here i use of the form which is evident it is not that form is not god form is god but that god is not confined to that he is not limited to that also so these forms names attributes all of these are used so god with attributes god with form i worship him like i use that old pole ultimately to drop that to grow out of it and ultimately to discover the oneness or identity with the lord so this question often arises in the mind of the students of vedanta that swami ji if you what you are saying aham brahmasmi i am brahma i am god then who is worshiping whom how can i worship myself 
and that is true. Except that I, I, I worship myself because I do not know the self is Brahman. So who worships whom? I who look upon myself as an individual being worship God who is the self of all. That's all. And so this worship in the realm of duality, that is why how do we function in duality so that we ultimately grow out of duality? That we are born in duality, we also work and, and live our life in the realm of duality. How do we live our life in the realm of duality so that ultimately we become free from duality? That whole method is called yoga. That's what Lord Krishna is teaching. So how the very interaction or, you know, very relationship, very interaction uh, in the duality itself can become means of, of becoming free from the limitation of duality. That's called bhakti. So even when Lord Krishna is teaching karma yoga, it is bhakti only. Yoga is means of attainment of God. That's called yoga. When karma or the action becomes a means of attainment of God, we call it karma yoga. So really karma yoga and bhakti yoga are not to separate yoga in as much as yoga means a means of attainment of God. And that karma or the action becomes yoga only when action is performed with devotion. So bhakti is not something that you do. What is bhakti? In India particularly people feel that bhakti, they always associate bhakti with a certain form. Swami, so I am doing bhakti. So when it's, when you say I am doing bhakti, that means that I am doing japa, or I am doing archana, or I am doing my prayers, and I am doing something. A particular kind of action is generally described as bhakti. But it's not a particular action that can be called bhakti. It is really the spirit behind the action that is called bhakti. That is why Lord Krishna here teaches in the Bhagavad Gita how all the actions, any action that I perform can become bhakti when, can become the, the, can become yoga when there is spirit of bhakti or devotion behind that action. So that's a wonderful teaching. How to convert our, our mundane day-to-day -day life into spiritual life when the spirit of devotion is inculcated in whatever we do, then whatever we do, doesn't matter what it is, it becomes a means of taking us to God. It becomes yoga. <coughs> so this, this whole understanding, this whole exposition and understanding of God is so necessary because then alone karma yoga is possible. Karma yoga means performing karma or action in the spirit of devotion to the Lord, in the spirit of offering to the Lord. So when can I maintain the spirit of devotion? When I know what, when I understand what Lord or God is. That is why the six chapters are devoted to unfolding the nature of God so that keeping that in mind, whatever I do then becomes the act of devotion. So understand that devotion is spirit and not an action. It is not a given action can be described as devotion. As I said, even the very act of worshipping God we have no devotion in that. It can be a matter of, it can, I'm a professional priest, let us say, who performs all these priestly act duties or priestly actions by way of my uh, occupation. I'm not saying that a priest is not a devotee. What I'm saying is a given act, action doesn't make me a devotee. 
On the other hand, I may be just sweeping the floor. I may be doing apparently a very mundane act- action, performing a very mundane action, and still I can be a great devotee of Lord if that action is performed with a devotion, is an offering to God. Swamiji, how can I sweep the floor and offer it to God? Where is God? Well, that is the, the Bhagavad Gita says that as we have been discussing since morning, what is not God? The question here is not what is God or where is God? The question is where is not, where God is not or what God, what is not God? Everything is God. I don't see God not because God is not there, because I am not ready to see Him, that's all. So we don't have to do anything with God, we have to do something with our own mind which is the instrument of seeing. And yoga is nothing but the method, the whole practice or a process rather, yoga is nothing but the process of slowly and slowly preparing my mind for this perception of what obtains. And therefore, if everybody is God, everything is God and everybody is God, let us say I am vacuuming this floor, then whoever will walk on this floor is God. In fact they are. And so if I have this, this spirit in my heart that I am, I am performing the act of vacuuming this, this floor, so whoever sits here, whoever walks here, that may they be comforted, may they be served, may they be happy. I'm cooking food in the kitchen, whoever is going to eat the food, so Lord, in the form of all those who are going to eat the food, may they be happy or appeased. Any action that I perform is always going to help somebody. And if I, if I, as I say, do not confine my idea of God to a particular form, but if I look upon, although at least I have the spirit, I may not even see God everywhere as yet. If I see God everywhere, of course the question doesn't remain. But right now I don't see. And still, that's what Lord Krishna will say. So that is how that action becomes the act of worship. So understand, bhakti or worship is spirit and not a particular, it's not a form. We require the form to express the spirit. But mere form is not bhakti. The spirit which is there behind the form is bhakti. So in this and other chapters, Lord Krishna describes the spirit of devotion. <coughs> so going back to this first verse of Arjuna's question, in the first line Arjuna says, evam, in this manner, in the manner that we just talked here. Because that last verse that Lord Krishna says at the end of 11th chapter is in mind of Arjuna. When he says, evam, in this manner, in what manner? In the manner Lord, that you just told me in the last verse, Satata Yuktaha, all those devotees, Bhaktaha, who are totally committed to you, Bhaktaha, your devotees. And your devotees alone. Of course, even to become that Bhakta of Saguna Brahma is it takes is going to take a long time. That is why we start with this. We start with being devotees of God who is evident to us. So ultimately we, be, we know the God who is not evident. What is evident also is God and worship of that which is evident becomes a means of knowing the one who is not evident. So ye bhaktaha, ananya sharanaha, 
those devotees who are totally devoted to you, totally committed to you. Satata yuktaha, all the time yuktaha, that means all the time, all the time serving you, all the time we're serving you with their actions. Means whatever actions they perform, they perform for you, the first condition, mat karma krit. So those who perform actions for me alone. That me, as I said, is a evident God. The, so whenever I perform any action, if I have this in my mind, that may this action please the Lord in a given form, may this action please the Lord in the form of those who are going to eat this food, may this action please the Lord in the form of those who will use this floor, may the action please the Lord in the form of little ants, I don't know, you may be feeding the ants, feeding the birds, doing something. You are doing your gardening work. May this action please the Lord in the form of these plants, flowers, you know. So, whenever any action is performed, it's, it's love. And love not merely for the flower, but hopefully for the God in the form of flower, then that would be even better. It's good enough that I work, I perform action with love. That itself is bhakti in a way. So, any action I perform with love, it's fine. But if I perform that action with love, for the Lord, who will have beneficiary of that action, that's even better. So gardening is done for worshipping the Lord in the form of plants and flowers and trees. You write poetry also, you know, for the Lord in the form of nature, whatever I describe. So everything is God, is no problem. If God was confined someplace, in a certain form, in certain place, then we may have some difficulty that we must go to that place or we must only worship in a given form but here so that is the reason why in the 11th chapter Lord Krishna displayed his cosmic form demonstrating thereby that I am, I am everything Satat Yuktaha all the time serving you Bhaktaha second one devoted to you Pariupasate and they they meditate on you, they worship you, everywhere. Paritaha Upasate, worship you in every way. Satati Yuktaha, always concentrated in you. Bhaktaha, always devoted to you. So Bhaktaha, their feelings, you know, the love is for you. Satati Yuktaha, their mind also is in you. And their actions are also centered upon you. They are not ordinary Bhaktas. Arjuna is asking about the devotees who are very exalted devotees. But then this is, a, this is a description of devotees, exalted devotees worshipping God in form. So that is the first line. So Arjuna says, these devotees. And on the other hand, next second line, ye chabi, and those also, who worship you, who is avyak aksharam, avyaktam. So those who worship you, who is akshara, so kshara means, kshara means declinable. Akshara, that which does not decline, that which does not perish, akshara means imperishable. Now, see, the, to contrast it, the world, the God that we see is all perishable, all the time changing. So, in contrast to that, Arjuna says, 
those who worship you, who is imperishable, who is changeless. Avyaktam. And what we confront, that God that we confront is Vyakta, is manifest. In contrast to that, Arjuna says, those who worship you, who is Avyakta, unmanifest. So manifest and unmanifest. So Lord Krishna describes again and again, like in the 15th chapter that we chant before our meals, Dvavimo Purushavaloke Sharas Chak Shrevacha Sharas Sarvani Bhutani Kutas Thok Sharuchade Uttamah Purushastu Anya. So Lord Krishna says, See my expression. This is I, the perishable. I appear as a perishable world of effect. I appear as imperishable cause. And in reality, I am beyond both cause and effect. So this this world or the Lord manifest as the world can be characterized as made up of what we call the cause and effect chain because the universe is all nothing but cause and effect change that which is substrate on the change himself is changeless that which is substrate on the change of cause and effect beyond cause and effect that which manifests in his names and forms himself is unmanifest aksharam avyaktam paryupasade so these are the two devotees, those who worship the manifest, others who worship the unmanifest. Those who worship the perishable, others who worship the imperishable. Tesham among them, ke yoga vittamaha, who are those who can be considered as the greatest knowers of yoga. Yoga vitt, yoga vittara, yoga vittama, yoga vitt means knower of yoga. Who are the most exalted yoga, I mean who, who are the most exalted devotees who are the most exalted bhakta. Why does Arjuna ask that? He doesn't ask, what should I do? That is why sometimes it confuses. What is the purpose of this question? If he had simply said, what should I do, then it's okay. Every time he asks, sannyasam karmanam krishna punar yogam tesham sasi. You are on one hand praising sannyasa, other hand you are praising karma yoga. Point is, what should I do? Should I become a sannyasi or should I perform the karma? Here also, Arjuna is a very simple person. The very name Arjuna suggests. Rujutvad Arjuna, one who is very simple-minded. Therefore, he says what is in his mind. And when he asks a question, he asks a question because he has a question. Not he asks a question to question the Lord or he asks a question to test him or to find out or something like that. No. That is a very simple person. And this that is Arjuna qualified for this for this teaching. He may have some difficulty, some problems will be there, but simplicity is there. And so purpose of Arjuna's question is what should I do? Kesham jnanam maya anusaraniyam. Whose path or whose way should I follow? That's all. That's what he wants to know. And Lord Krishna understands that. That but the, the purpose behind the question and accordingly replies. In short, the first question, in the first question, in the first verse, Arjuna asked this question, Who are the greatest devotees, O Lord? Those who are devoted to you, who, those who worship you, in the form. Who is manifest, who is changeable, in the form. On the other hand, those who worship you, who is changeless, who is beyond the form, beyond the change, of these two, who are greatest devotees. Meaning, what should I do? Now Bhagavan, Lord Krishna wants to tell Arjuna that you should worship Lord with form. 
for the very simple reason, as Lord Krishna himself will describe, that worshipping that God beyond the attributes and beyond the form is extremely difficult. In the sense that it requires a lot of preparation of the mind. Based primarily, it requires a mind totally free from all the likes and dislikes. It requires a mind enjoying vairagya or dispassion. As the qualification will describe subsequently, it requires a person who can at will withdraw his mind from the forms. So those, who are those who can worship the Lord beyond the forms? Those who are not attached to forms, those who do not require the need, are those who do not require aid of the forms. So for those who do, the need for the forms and the, the, the attributes is not there, so those who become free from those needs, in short, having performed this worship, those who have grown out of it, attain that state of maturity, they alone can perform the worship of the Lord beyond attributes. So, rather than saying who is better and who is not better, Lord Krishna also replies in a way that requires to be understood. So in the second verse when Lord Krishna replies, he in effect says that the devotees of God with attributes are better. In short, Lord Krishna in this twelfth chapter is prescribing devotion of God with attributes in a way. Because Lord Krishna believes that Arjuna is most suited for that. And that is why we find here this saguna upasana, saguna bhakti, the worship of God with, upa, with attributes is what is being praised here. Not to condemn the other, but to encourage Arjuna to create that, that enthusiasm in Arjuna for pursuing that path. So this is the style of the scriptures. That whenever we want to, we want someone to do something, we have to create an enthusiasm in that. And for creating enthusiasm, we praise it. In that spirit, Lord Krishna here praises the bhakti, the devotion of Lord with forms, with attributes, in order to create that commitment and enthusiasm in the mind of Arjuna because Lord Krishna believes that that is what Arjuna is fit for at this point. So keeping all of this in mind, we have to read these verses. So in this second verse, Lord Krishna says, Shri Bhagavan Uvacha Mayaveshya Mano Yemam Nitya Yukta Upasate Shraddhaya Parayopetaha Deme Yukta Tamamata Shri Bhagavan Vacha, the Lord said, Mai Aveshya Manaha Yema Nitya Yuktaha Upasade Shraddhaya Paraya Upetaha Deme Yukta Tamaha Mataha. So this is style. First we read the verse. Second step is to break all sandhis, as I just did. Third is to give meaning of the words. A Vyakhyanam has all these characteristics. 
So Vyakhyanam is all these that first of all you must separate the Sandhi, give the meaning of each word, explain the Samasa, explain the sentence, and then expound the sentence. That is how it works. <coughs> so look at the translation now. Lord Krishna's Mayi Aveshya Manaha Mayi in me. Now unfortunately that word, ah, this is that verse is complete. That's good. So Mayi means in me Aveshya Manaha. So those who make their mind enter into me Avesha Pravesha entering. So those people who make their mind totally entering in me, committed to me, Nityuktaha, being ever united with me, Upasate, those who worship me, meditate upon me. Second line, Shraddhaya Paraya Upetaha. Upetaha endowed with Shraddhaya with faith. Paraya unflinching faith. Endowed with unflinching faith. May Aveshimanaha their mind, the, those who have made their mind enter into me. Nityuktaha always united to me. Upasate, those who worship me, meditate upon me. Teme yukta tamamataha. They are the most exalted in my opinion. Memataha. Memataha, this is my opinion. In my opinion, they are the most exalted ones. <coughs> so look now. Mai avesha manaha. Mai means in me. Manaha avesha. Avesha means praveshya. Making their mind enter into me. That means what? When their mind is totally thinking of me alone. See, our mind keeps on assuming different forms, you know. Imagine uh, wax. So wax can be, when we melt the wax, it can take any form. So in whichever uh, dye we pour that wax, that form the wax will assume. Or any molten substance will assume the form of the dye in which it is poured. Similarly, imagine our mind made up of it like a molten substance, constantly assumes different forms. When I look at the tree, mind becomes, mind assumes the form of a tree. Look at you, mind assumes the form of you. Whatever it is that I am perceiving or thinking about, mind assumes that form at that time. So thus mind can be compared to a molten matter which keeps on assuming different forms. Lord Krishna says, may that mind be entered, may I be that that die in which your mind is poured, that means your mind must assume my form. So I must all the time become the, I must be all the time the subject matter in your mind. That's what, all the time, my avesha, those people who are identified with me, all the time. You know, avesha, in, in the vernacular, avesha means what? The fellow, something has entered. So when the spirit <coughs> enters, you know, we say avesha, something has entered. Similarly, when God enters, you know, into me, that's what it amounts to. So that means that ultimately this devotion, you know, so my worship of the Lord, as I said, what is love is nothing but identification of the object of love. Understand, we start from where we are, we have devotion to God, but we don't have this kind of devotion that God is the only thing in my life. 
But ultimately that is what he wants. Mat karma karutu. Those who only perform actions only for me. Now how can it boss Swami, I have to perform my duties for my family and this and that. But then look at, you know, look at, uh, look at me or see me in, your, in, in all those things. So don't look at this person as a wife or husband. Look at them as Narayana in the form of wife or husband. Don't look at them as your children. Look at God or Narayana or Vasudeva or Om or whatever in that form. That's all we have to do. We have to keep remembering, reminding ourselves that this is enemy, Lord in that form. My friend, Lord in that form. My child, Lord in that form. Whatever, inert and sentient, whatever there is, it is Lord in that form. So all the time reminding myself that I do not forget Narayana, 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 whatever name you want. Vasudeva, Narayana, Shiva, Rama, Christ, whatever name I like, that is, that alone manifests everything. And that is how all the time my mind is thinking about it. That means my mind all the time assumes the form of Narayana. Because this Vishwarupa is the cosmic form, he is a self of all. Nitya Yuktaha, all the time united with me, all the time their mind is centered upon me. All the time they are serving me. <coughs> so look, whenever I perform an action, my mind is always somewhere. So action is performed with hands and legs, while the mind is all the time thinking and, and offering that action to the Lord. Upasate, meditate upon me. The mind is meditating or thinking of God. Hands and legs are performing action in service to God. And my heart, you know, bhaktaha, so my heart, expresses a love for God. That means my whole being is offered to Him. <coughs> but I have not seen this God, Swamiji. How can I do that? Shraddhaya, paraya, upetaha. If you have seen God, then there is no problem. You don't have to be told to do that. Because I see God and therefore what do I do is this for God. But I don't see Him. Then what do I do? Shraddhaya, paraya, upetaha. Those who are, who are endowed with paraya shuddhya, a supreme or exalted faith, a trust in this declaration of the scriptures that whatever it is, is, is God. In a sense, it does make sense to my mind, I mean in my mind it makes sense. In as much as, as we said, what is God? God is nothing but, as I said, goodness or harmony or beauty or love or happiness, or fullness, or whatever it is, whatever is the most exalted for me, that is God. Then whenever you look, you can see that element of beauty there, you can see that element of goodness there, you can see the element of love in anything. Even the most, you know, uh, vicious person also, you can see, except that, that love or goodness is so buried inside that it is not evident at all. But then if you, if you see it there, if you press your mind, I mean, you'll see that. Except it requires me to become so large-hearted to see that, that's all it is. I, if I become so large-hearted that whatever the actions of that person are, they do not affect me at all, I can pardon them or I can understand them for what they are, then I'll be able to see what the ultimate nature of the thing is. When my child, for example, you know, a five-year-old boy, Dad, I hate you and I do this and he kicks me and things out, suppose. Sometimes children do that. 
that's what they see on the TV and that's what they do other children doing, you know, that's all. We never did this, by the way. I never told my father or mother, I hate you and I kick you and things like that. I don't remember. <laughs> but here this what you, I hate you, you know. So they hate you the wholeheartedly, love also wholeheartedly, I guess. Most of them are wholeheartedly. Whatever they do, they are wholeheartedly. But suppose my child comes and kicks at me, kicks me and that's whatever it is because I can see that the fellow is upset. Do I not still see my child in that? And, and do I not laugh at it? Look at this fellow, you know. Do I not laugh at it? Sometimes I do. If I'm in my right mind, I may not all the time do that. <laughs> Sometimes people, you know, give it back to children also, I mean, you know. If they have their own problems, but usually if I am all right, it is not very difficult for me to be able to see where the child is coming from. And this outer behavior is just because of some kind of misunderstanding. But I know that after two minutes the child will say, he will hug me and say, I, I love you. <coughs> so I see how that love, which is the nature of the child, is not denied or not, has not disappeared in spite of these outward behavior. Because I have the large heartedness with reference to my child that I can forgive him or I can see where the child, I have the understanding and forgiveness both and that is why that does not, in, that does not affect me at all. My love is not affected at all. Imagine that to me for a real person, not my child, but really a, a, an evil person. Now that would require a tremendous large-heartedness, we understand that. But suppose I was large-hearted enough, then I can see just as my child also has some misconception and, and that is why behaving like that, maybe that fellow also has that and then just as in my child, in the, in the very core or essence, that love is there. Similarly also if I can appreciate that love, I can see that, at least I can understand that this is possible. That even Ravana also can have love. It is for his child, if for nobody else. So when his son dies, you can see him crying and weeping. So there also love is there, except it takes a lot of effort to bring it out, that's all. In some cases it is easy, in some cases it is very difficult. It's not that I have to do something to him, all it means is I have to grow, that's all, bigger than what I am. So every, every situation challenges us to grow, really. But that is I can see in my mind, that if I grow to that extent, I, as Swamiji say, that accommodation. Ultimately, I can grow in large-hearted to such an extent that I can accommodate anything. You say, you can, if you can love your pet, you can love even a retarded child, you can love anybody. And we see people, you know, I mean, we see people being able to love anybody. That shows the heart has become pure. So I can understand that if my heart becomes pure, that I would not have any difficulty in seeing God in all of them. How he assumes different forms and comes in different ways. For my own entertainment, I guess, you know, because Swami, why should we create that? Why should we not create it? Why should this be that? Why should it not be that? Tell me, then what will be that? They say, if you try to improve upon this creation, it is going to be a futile task. And for me to judge that this is right and wrong also is very difficult because I have such a limited knowledge. At the most, I have the knowledge of 50 years of this person's life or my life. That's all I know. What do I know about the infinite time that has gone in the past and that is going to come in the future and how this action will effect upon that? I don't know these things. Therefore, for me to judge something is right and wrong also, it's better that I, I, you know, I leave that also to God. Best is to leave all responsibility to Him. That's all. Let Him decide what is best for me also. 
That's why they say, don't even ask, don't even have a desire. Mean, meaning that, don't ask, or even if you have desire, don't express it in a given form that God give me this. Let him decide, what is best for me? Shraddha, there is omniscient, he knows everything. Shraddha, the faith, omnipotent, he is all powerful, and therefore he is capable of doing whatever is required for me to do. One may be omniscient, omnipotent also, but if he is if he is cruel, no, he is what? He is krupalu, he is all benevolent. So this is Shraddha. This Shraddha means faith in God. What is the faith? There is omniscient, omnipotent. At the same time, Surudam Sarabhutana, fifth chapter, Lord Krishna himself said, I am the well-wisher of all. Because he is a father, he is a mother, he is a grandfather, and therefore I am his child and there is no reason why he should be cruel to me. I, my well-being must be in his heart. Shraddha. I don't see it, Swamiji. I don't see how it is wrong. If I am his child, why should he do this to me? And so, very often this happens to me that my faith gets shaken up. So that's why we require Shraddha. This Mahatma should tell us the story, Shraddha. There are many stories are there. But this story of a European couple, apparently, there were all, there were a number of people riding in a big ship. Among them was this European couple, husband and wife. They loved each other. It happened that as the, the ship is in the middle of the ocean, then all of a sudden huge storm came. And looked like the ship is going to sink and everybody is running around, what to do, you know. All kinds of things are being done. And this woman finds her husband just standing on the deck and gazing in the water and, and, and looks as though he's looking at some play. He's not affected at all, he's not perturbed at all. And she asked her husband, so what is this? Don't you see how the people are, you know, what all they are doing in order to save the ship? And you are not doing anything and you seem to be just so comfortable, as though you are watching some play. That man immediately pulled out a gun from his pocket and held at the forehead of his wife. So do you know that this gun is, uh, you know, is, is this loaded gun? He says, yes. I'm, I'm holding this gun at your forehead. Aren't you scared of me? I'm not scared of you. I know that you are my husband. I know that you love me. Stop the, Stop playing, playing these games now. See, you are not afraid of me at all because you know that I love you. I'm not afraid of him. I'm not afraid of God. I know, even though he's holding this gun at our forehead, I know that I is God. And therefore, he loves me. And there's no reason for me to be afraid. Swami, does it mean that he will always save you? If I have this shraddha, not necessarily. As far as bhakta, devotee is concerned, if, if death comes, I know that Lord has come in this form. It's not for you and I, but there are people like that. When a, when a cobra is coming to him, he says, Oh, Lord, I've been waiting for you for such a long time. <laughs> I can't say that, but this is the shraddha, this is the devotee. I'm not saying that you do that also. Because no point in simply saying, this is a, this is a real spirit in there. But that this is possible. Lord Krishna said in the 10th chapter, I am the death which devours everything. So Shraddha, this is, at the moment, this is not my knowledge. At the moment, this is not my vision. At the moment, this is my faith. 
श्रद्धया परया उपेता वेन यू वर्शिप गॉड विथ फॉर्म रिक्वेस्ट मैंने श्रद्धा तुलसी गॉड इन एवरीबडी इन एवरी थिंग दैट हैपन्स इज नॉट इजी एट ऑल बिकॉज लॉ ऑफ थिंग्स हैपन दैट आर नॉट फेवरेबल टू मी एट ऑल इनफैक्ट आर वेरी पेनफुल टू मी एंड आई हर टाइम इन एक्सेप्टिंग गॉड हु इज माई वेल विशर दैट इज वेन इट रिक्वायर्स श्रद्धा श्रद्धया परय उपेता परया श्रद्धया उपेता एंड ऑर विथ अनफ्लिंचिंग फेथ So understand that the shraddha or the faith is a primary element in in the saguna worship, in worshiping God with form. How can you worship this form here? Let us say, Dakshinamurti. How can you offer him flowers and food and things like that? What are you doing to this rock? Somebody told me, right in this guru kulam. What is this rock doing here? And what are you doing to this rock? That's all he could say. A rock, which is it is. But then when we, you know. When we bow down and we with all our devotion, what do you, you don't see a rock there? You don't merely see a form also. In fact, you see something much more than the form. In fact, you see very God there, or to whatever extent we can see. How can you see God? That's just nothing but shraddha. Is nothing but faith or the trust, isn't it? It is shraddha that enables me to grow out of these mundane things of forms and and connect me. With the spirit which is there in the form, so every form carries the spirit. Just as this form carries the spirit, every form does. He also recognizes that it is not easy for me to worship God in any form. That is why these forms are given to us with which we are comfortable. I am not comfortable with any form that appears before me, Swami. Not yet. I can't see God in a donkey and a monkey and stuff like that. That's difficult. Maybe I can see that, but I can't see God in human beings anyway. In a donkey, I don't. <laughs> so difficult. That is the reason why these forms are given to us. They are non-threatening forms, you know, <laughs> non-reacting forms. Always smiling, regardless of what you do. And so, uh, that is very important. He is always smiling. You see, uh, somebody noted that when we—he uh, was, of course, an Indian person. But I am surprised at the age, at the age of fifty. When he came once to a temple, saw me. Hey, all of our gods are smiling. I say, is the first time you see that, or what? All the gods are smiling. I said, yes. They smile. Swatmaram, Mudidavadanam, Dakshina Murti Mere. Swatmaramam. So one who is dwelling in his own self and totally content and happy with his own self. And that total contentment or satisfaction or fullness is evident. There's a smile on the face and a gentle smile. Mudithabadanam. And whether I, I, I stand before him like a staff and not bow down, still smiling. <laughs> If I fall flat, still smiling. If I offer him something, still smiling. Not offering anything, still smiling. So that is how that is what is God intended to be. That he is not threatened by me. He doesn't get upset. That's another problem that we have. Somebody, but this uh, God will get upset with me. So then we have fifty-nine different things in our puja room, you know, and therefore when I have to show arati, I must make sure that everybody is shown. You know, otherwise what will happen? <laughs> otherwise, if I show it here, and then this God will also get upset with me, <laughs> which is good. Otherwise, he won't do arati. That is all right. <laughs> 
But we have to say that God is the one who can never get upset. If he gets upset, then what? You can't call him God. That doesn't mean that, you know, that we have to take him for granted also, you know. Oh, he doesn't get upset, so today I didn't perform my worship. <laughs> Which is okay, he won't get upset, that's all right. But all of these is something ultimately to be discovered. And this discovery will take its own time. To discover that God is benevolent. That whatever he does, whatever he does is always for my well-being. Now to discover that will take its own time. To the extent that I will become free from demands, to that extent, that's all. He will do what he is doing. It's I who has in course of time become free from demand. God do this and don't do this. When I don't make any demands upon him, then I'll find that whatever he does is fine. But that is what we call growth. That's inner purification. And for that, this bhakti is the, this whole process of worshipping God is the very process that brings about that inner purification. And for that shraddha, paraya shraddhaya upetaha, endowed with that unflinching faith, that is the most principal element, shraddha. When, when we do not know something, and still we do it, it all requires shraddha. Which shraddha, of course, we have in our life. We have shraddha or faith in our life. In every action that we do. Right now we are sitting here with some shraddha. They will get something out of this. I mean, who will come here otherwise? This long weekend, you know, a lot of other things that you could do and you are sitting here, there is some shraddha. That you will get something out of this. <coughs> you go to dining hall with shraddha, then you will get food. <laughs> you eat food with the shraddha, then you will digest it. And whatever. <coughs> there is always shraddha in whatever we do. It's not that we are lacking in Shraddha. Oh, this Shraddha has come Swami because of experience. Yesterday I went to dining hall. Every day I go to dining hall, there is food. That is why I have Shraddha. <laughs> but God doesn't appear to be so consistent. That consistently benevolent doesn't seem to be. Because I have a certain definition of what benevolence is. Therefore, I would, I would be willing to call him benevolent pro does this, this, this and does not do other things. Then I call him benevolent. Since I have already made a certain, you know, I already uh, qualified what benevolence is, therefore I have a problem. Give up the qualification, that's all, this is the renunciation. So, give up demands, give up qualifying things, uh, you know, give up judging things. Understand that he alone is doing everything and is benevolent. So in course of time, Shraddha, we grow into this. Shraddha, paraya upeta, paraya upetaha. Teme yukta tamamataha. In my opinion, they are the most exalted. So therefore, in this second verse, Lord Krishna says, in reply to Arjuna's question, as to the devotees who worship God with form or attributes, and others who worship Lord or meditate upon Him, who is beyond the attributes, which one of these devotees are better? Lord Krishna is in fact saying, the devotees worshipping form, God with form. Worshipping manifest God, they are better. Because it is easier to do that. And that's what as Lord Krishna means, that Arjuna, you should rather do that. And the reasons for that also we explain subsequently. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamadachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Shishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam 
केशवंवादरायण सूत्रभाषे भगवतन ईश्वरो गुरुरात्मे मूर्तिद विभागिने व्योमेहा दक्षिणामूर्त नम शांति शांति हरि ओ श्री गुरुभ्यो